Welcome back to Historical Homos, the world's only no-fucks-given guide to queer history. Today is our first episode of Period Piece, a new format where I'm on my period and Bash makes me watch a movie about history. Now, my little hormones, I'm sure I don't need to tell you that when a woman is upon her time, she primarily wants five things. Tears, sex, food, support from her sisters, and violence against those that question her. Period dramas provide all of the above, and more. Who can hold their time-of-the-month tears when the hero dies after risking it all for their beloved? Who amongst you hasn't stuffed her menstrual face while a child bride of 15, probably played by Keira Knightley, is deflowered by the most gorgeous twunk of the realm? Period pieces have it all. Hot people, despair, incredible costumes, death, War, more death, and... And of course, history. Shut up, patriarchy. This is the woman's time. My point is, period pieces are the perfect antidote to the hellscape that is my flow. And I wanted to share that with you today as we review the top five period moments of a classic sapphic tale, which we watched over the weekend. The favorite. This is the story of a British queen who really did rule, was actually a woman, and apparently did it all from inside the lesbian love triangle that rocked 18th century England's underpanties. But how much of it actually happened? Who stupped And most importantly, who delivered the best bitch slap? Now, given my rapidly shedding uterine lining, I recommend you slip into something more appropriate because the bloody woman water is what, Bash? Human temperature. So let's go back in time and take another rewrite through our history. Celebrate ourselves tonight and cover all the things that's still a mystery. Bash. Good. Good. So nice when you get it started. Yeah, it didn't take 17 takes. Not at all, sister. No, we never tell them that. And I would have stayed for 17 more. I wouldn't. But ultimately only 17 more. Hmm. So the favorite. Um, we're, we're being topical with this one, <laughs> this recently <laughs> released film. Um, I love the favorite. I love the guy who wrote it, um, Tony McNamara, or I think he co-wrote it with a woman. Who, who shall matter. remain nameless. <laughs> um, no, Deborah something. I saw it Messing? last night. <laughs> no, Deborah Messing is pretty busy elsewhere really, this week. She's really into a lot um, of stuff. It's good. It's nice to see she has something to do. Um, the No, The Favorite is such a good movie. It's so well written. I think when it came out, most people agreed. Yeah. I love the like graphic part of it too. Like the way it was shot in like part one, part two. Mm. And they really, I feel like a bunch of movies after that started doing that same sort of setup to be like, this is my part two. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, the different chapters. Yeah. And the typography is good. Yeah. The costumes are good. I believe the costumes are by Sandy Powell, who is oh, like yeah. kind of costume designer, um, period costume designer. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. 
I, sh- I think she also did the costumes in Orlando, the That's you know the so. one with Tilda Swinton that is the Virginia Woolf. I know um, of it. You've told me never to watch it. I told you never to watch no, it? No, you told me never to read the book because I probably won't understand it. Oh, you definitely <laughs> should not attempt the book at your current reading level. <laughs> but the... Um, I'll watch the movie. The, the, the film is wonderful. We so should... speaking of the film, spoiler announcement. From this point in the episode, you may want to avert your ears because we will be divulging details from the film. Go watch it, come, finish, <laughs> then return to us and complete the episode. See what I did there? I, I liked it. I came. Okay. Lucy, I'm going to um, put on a timer for one minute, and I want you to tell us what you think happened <laughs> in the movie. I know that you were watching. Um, oh, and oh, and the time has started. <laughs> the time has started. Okay, so... This girl comes in on to a castle of Queen Anne, and Queen Anne is a real person. She is gout. It's not great. She's in a lot of pain. Um, and then she likes to have her leg massaged, which means she needs someone to eat her out. Um, she's a lesbian. And she's or, she's with Lady Marlborough. You know, they have a love affair and a secret tunnel connecting their rooms so they can fook whenever they want. And then Abigail, some servant cunt, comes in and basically, like, takes over and, like, causes a wedge between Marlborough and Queen Anne. Um, Love your pronunciation of Marlborough. Keep going. Thank you. Give me my time back. <laughs> I yield. <laughs> and then Lady uh, Marlborough is poisoned by Abigail. Abigail. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Abigail, like, really meanly, like, tries to crush the spine of a rabbit, which is sad. But then she realizes that. Five. Um, no, no, Queen Anne is like chooses Abigail, and then Abigail is stuck because they were playing very different games. Which is the only <laughs> and line you're I done. Remember. And you're done. Thank you. That was good. That was good. I um, liked this movie. I chose it. I cho- <laughs> <laughs> that that is pretty much what happened in the film. Oh, but there's if, also a war. Forgot. <laughs> there is a war going on in the background. The war of the Spanish Succession. So I thought what we would do today <laughs> is get into what's true. What's not? I like that. Let's start with that. Then I want to get to the meat of the matter, which is what are our top five period moments? Because of course you are on your period currently. I am yes. flowing. Yes, you, you are. Aunt Flo what? is in town. It is red wedding down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never seen Game of not? Thrones. And uh, so, so then we'll do our top five period moments okay. that we have selected from the film. And of course, they will not be only five because <laughs> there are so many great moments. Um, but- I'd just like to add one thing to this um, as a prequel to uh, everything we're about to discuss. Sebastian, our friend, my brother, um, friend of all women, seems to not understand that women get their periods, they're basically out two weeks a month, right? It's the lead up and the week of. So I just want to yeah. put it out there that Bash gets frustrated get with me that I, every <laughs> every month I have to say, I'm on my period. I don't want to do XYZ sleepovers. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, think, I think for me, sister... As a man coming into being alive with you and in the same room, I think that you talk about your period a lot. And I know other women brag. <laughs> so I, they just don't talk about it quite as much as you do. And that's when you revealed to me that, in fact, your period, and it does feel like it's roughly 50% of the time that you might be bringing up your period, 
your period is taking up 50% of your life effectively with yeah. a week before and a week What if you during. bled out of your dick for a week? <laughs> what about that? I would feel so much shame. <laughs> yeah. So just know that. But I think that that's what this podcast can really do um, for mankind <laughs> Educate is, you on help, is teach men about the biology of menstruation, which is, we all agree, disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. But... Also, a miracle of life, I guess. And so it's okay. It's I not, it's disgusting. Choose. It's not a miracle of life, but it is something that everyone should know about. I, yes, 100%. Men included. I, men should be responsible for period knowledge. Yes, just like men should get vasectomies so pregnancy doesn't happen just versus like, outlawing abortion. Just like straight people should be. Topical. (laughs) Just like straight people should be aware of queer history. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we go go on, there is one thing in this movie that is just top, top, top that we have to discuss, which is scracting. Now, scracting is scream acting. And Olivia Coleman, who plays Queen Anne in this film, is an absolute mistress of it. (laughs) She is insanely hilarious. She runs the bordello. She dominates with the um, with her screams. Obviously, the funniest and most famous one is when she has put on badger raccoon makeup, and uh, Sarah, the Duchess of Marlborough, comes and she's they're about to meet the Federation from Russia or whatever, and Sarah's like, "Who put that on? You look like a badger." And Olivia Coleman starts crying like a little bitch and then turns around and goes back into her chambers because she's not allowed to meet the Russian Federation looking like one of their native badgers. Her badger pen. And right. Her. Move on. (laughs) Move on fast. Uh, And and that is when she passes a literal child (laughs) and goes. In her employee. Did you just look at me? Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me. And we're back. Okay, so before we proceed with the episode, we obviously have to sacrifice to the gods. I have this plastic bag here. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Lucy, what's your sacrifice? So my sacrifice today is this jumbo-sized pill bottle um, (laughs) that I just finished today, but also... Full of your period blood. Why did you have to ruin it? Um, No, I will be keeping all of my tampons in it going forward. Just kidding. Um, This is my epilepsy medication. And I basically finished it today. So here's to asking the gods that, um, you know, before I get back to New York City tomorrow, no seizure happens. Um, I know there's a look of worry in your eyes, but I'm also on a separate medication slash mood stabilizer that prevents me from having the seizures. Oh, no, you misread. I was worried about something in the, I don't care what happens to you. Okay, so that's my life. sacrifice is this is the size All right, of put the it in bottle. The, put it in the, oh! <laughs> nailed it, bro. I got it in. Kobe. My sacrifice is historical related. Um, it's a relic. It is from my second grade notebook that we discovered yesterday when cleaning some things out in our country estate. This entry, I think these were just like writing assignments that I had to do every week. So my sacrifice will be the reading of this tale um, because I'm not giving up this relic that will obviously be worth a lot of money. We have worth tens en- and tens of dollars. This entry is called My Elizabeth, but then I crossed out my because... You don't own a I'm woman. Gay, because I'm gay and I do not possess women. Okay. Elizabeth One is a movie. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth One is a movie and it's about her whole life. This is not the new Elizabeth. It's 
It's a pretty old one. It's the BBC one. It's the Glenda Johnson one. It's Glenda Jackson. And it's very biogackle. <laughs> except it strats off when she is 24. It's a six video pack. And altogether, it's nine hours. And I think if you saw it, I'd think if you saw it, you would like it. Except it has some death parts in it. And in the first video, there's one bad part. It has sticks on top of a prison place, and on it are the heads of some people who were executed there. Flawless spelling of executed, but can't really get except. Or people. Anyway, so that's my sacrifice, uh, is the beginning of my love of history. Act one, the tea. And what British tea it is today. So what is the historical tea? What really happened behind the favorite? Bash, you take this one. (laughs) It turns out, Lucy, that the favorite is pretty fictional in terms of its retelling of the story of Queen Anne, Sarah, the Duchess of Marlborough, and um, who's the other one? Abigail Masham mash them up like she mashed her lips so let's just do the three ladies because they sort of form the backbone of the film who was queen anne so queen anne was the daughter of king james the second who was himself the brother of charles the second and that's important the previous king charles the second that's important because they came back in like the 1660s after 10 years of there having been a republican revolution government um, that was kicked off by a revolution where they chopped off Charles I's head in totally. 1649, I think. So it was like a big, crazy new time for England. England's parliament was becoming much more powerful. You see the parliament in the favorite working a lot with the queen. So anyway, it's just to say this was like a very uh, dynamic period of British history where Britain was kind of on the up and up. Especially the Whigs. Indeed. Which I literally... And we'll get there. Don't jump ahead. Okay, I just want to say that I literally didn't know that the Whig Party was named after those who wear wigs. Uh, I don't think that's true. They all wore wigs. But I think it was something else. We'll we'll research that for you, audience. Don't 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 you worry. worry. We'll get you there. So the interesting thing about her father, King James II, is that he was selfishly Catholic. Even though I think he grew up Protestant. So obviously all the British, all the Brits were Protestant by now. Obviously. Obviously. After, after Henry VIII had. had (laughs) Oh no, Henry VIII got divorced and he split the Church of England because he wanted to get a divorce so he could fucking nail Anne Boleyn and make her queen. Right. And then beheaded her. Even on period weeks, which was two weeks out of the year. Yeah. I mean, out of the month. Honestly, if I didn't have to see anyone for two weeks, I'd be thrilled. So... King James II is converts to Catholicism at, I think, the instigation of his wife, Anne Hyde. And that puts them, them in trouble when they're reigning because nobody in England wants any Catholics on the throne, especially because there are a lot of other Catholic monarchs in Europe. It makes people think that the Brits are connected to other foreign powers and the Brits don't like the that. The Pope. The Pope is one of the, the Pope is basically the king of Italy. I'm sorry, before you continue, are you not going to just like give me some recognition and applause for how I just gave the history of Henry VIII? Thank you. Thank you. I accept this award on behalf. Moving forward. <laughs> 
So Anne's sister, Mary, was queen before her. She had married William of Orange, and they took over in the glory. I know, ridiculous name. And they took over in the glorious revolution of 1688. Mm -hmm. I think they only, I think Mary only ruled for a couple of years, and then William ruled by himself, which is interesting because he was Dutch and not from England at all. Well, the Dutch have no emotion. So yeah. probably made for a good ruler. Oh, sure. Since the whole sure. argument is that we can't have a woman leader in this country because they're too emotional. So in let's any get country. A, let's get a well, no. Australia or New Zealand, one of those two. Sorry to mix them up. Um, New Zealand has a female prime minister, and so does like Finland or some shit. I feel like we're getting off topic Sorry. here. So Anne took over at some point in the uh early seventeen hundreds, like seventeen oh two, something like that. And She's deplayed. She, <laughs> Anne is portrayed as really kind of frumpy and old and gross. I don't know what she was like by that time, but I saw some of the portraits from her younger years, and Honey was slaying. Is she, this one of them? The yeah, one this I'm one where seeing? she's in this like gorgeous red dress. I want that. She's got um, titties popping out for days. <laughs> she has a breast. She's got this beautiful like S kind of curve to her body. Rubenesque, some might say. Yeah, I mean, she, well, she doesn't look very big boned to me, but she she is just I don't know. She's kind of like a pretty English little porcelain figure. An English rose. Right. Now, despite me wanting to fuck Queen Anne as in her youth, she was not fun to be around. She had a poor education by royal standards, probably because her parents were like ousted from power and all of this like shuffling around. I don't think it was a very easy childhood necessarily. I don't know. Um, I did that. It was fun. She was known for being shy, which is why she relied so much on Sarah, played by Rachel Weiss in the movie. Is it Rachel Weiss or Rachel Weiss? I think Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. And she wasn't very socially gifted. You're going to like this one. Apparently when she didn't know what to say when she was in the middle of a conversation, she would just stop talking but keep her lips moving. <laughs> Which is something I'm going to tell. I know, like full opera I emotion in the face. Do you think she was... Um... Also, like, great idea. Save your voice for karaoke, baby. <laughs> Anne did also have major gout. Mm -hmm. That is true. That's depicted in the movie quite a lot. That is the reason for all of Abigail's many rubbings of her upper thigh area. Trebane. To rub. To rub. Yeah. Trebane. Right. Ancient Greek to rub. Mm -hmm. And also gout was a very common disease at the time because everybody drank wine instead of water. So it's going to happen someday. Anne was also definitely pushed around in a wheelchair or carried in a sedan chair. Um, is that a four-door chair? <laughs> is that just a lower-down chair? <laughs> no, a sedan chair is like, it's like a chair that has rods attached to it that people carry. Like, you know, two in front, two in back, and you're sitting, you know, like ancient Egypt style. Yeah, but is that where like sedan came from? Like the word sedan? Probably, yeah. Okay, well, are you going to research or are you going to fucking do, what are you doing? You're not doing your job. You should know the word, every word that I I ask. will start crying. Okay. <laughs> Just so be better. Anne was really sick a lot of the time, which is sad because she did actually take quite an active interest in politics and especially foreign policy. But because she was sick, she did lead a sedentary lifestyle and she was pretty overweight IRL. So all of that aspect of it is true. Sorry, did you want to come in there? I was just going to say, plus her period, she must have been, you know, it's hard. It's hard to have that. Yeah. And we know she definitely did get her period. Yeah. Scientists know that. <laughs> Scient <laughs> Sister tists. Scientists. 
One of the other things that's not true in the movie is that Anne was actually very interested in ruling. She wasn't this completely helpless little bumblefuck. She did ask Sarah, who was very domineering, very intelligent, very outspoken, for advice in all in, a, in every matter. But it was mostly because she was sick all the time that Sarah could t- take such a prominent role and step in. It wasn't mm-hmm. because Anne didn't want to do it. And of course, Anne supported the Tory party, which was opposed to the Whig party, which Sarah supported. So it gets confusing in the movie because Nicholas Holt has the biggest wig in the world, and thus you assume that he is for the Whig party, but I don't think the Whig thing is related to that. Okay, that is truly where I was Because it's Whig. It's W-H-I-G, the Whig party. Whig. Right. Tories are represented by Queen Anne and Lord Harley in the film. Whereas Sarah represents the Whigs with her guy Godolphin and her husband, who was a real war hero in real life. Well, is anyone really a war hero if it's war? Well, okay, pacifist Lucy come (laughs) through. Um, Okay, so who was Sarah Churchill, Duchess of Marlborough? She was... Question, was she related to Winston Churchill? She was. Got it, And if you stop jumping ahead, I can get to that. Just kidding. I, lo- I, lo- I love the enthusiasm, Lucy. Yeah. So Sarah was a noblewoman who did, in fact, grow up with Anne, as they say in the movie, had a very close relationship with her. As I said, fiercely intelligent, very outspoken. She and the the whole Mrs. Morley and Mrs. Freeman thing was true. Anne and Sarah did call each other that. And they had a very intense friendship growing up, mm. which we'll get to in a second. Uh, also, just to pause on Mrs. Morley and Mrs. Freeman, I, I love how their version of role play is like, I have an idea. Let's be a sexy wife and you be a sexy wife. <laughs> and that's it. Like, that's, <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's so hot. Um, I truly was not sure what Mrs. Morley and Mrs. Freeman meant. I thought it was just, I get, well, you've just explained it, but in the movie I was. I think for them, it's, they're playing down. It's like they're playing kind of regular women. Yeah. So it's they I think they just imagined that they were like two little housewives in the in the country. That must be fun. Named Mrs. Morley and Mrs. Freeman when obviously everyone refers to them as your grace or mm. blah blah blah. So they just were trying to humanize themselves. They were trying to feel yeah, well, better. Yeah, well, it's probably a little fantasy that Sarah concocted for Anne to make her feel like a normal person. So Sarah you Sarah and Anne were really close friends. Sarah used her relationship very kind of obviously for personal gain and everybody commented on that. She was, yes, an ancestor of Winston Churchill. Cool. And I'll get to that again in a second because there's an interesting little tie-in there. And she was also an ancestor of the People's Princess Lady to Die. How? I thought Lady was Lady Di Royal? Yeah. Her name was Diana Spencer, and Spencer is an old um, British aristocratic family, huh, as far as I remember. That's why it's called Spencer, that movie. Correct. <laughs> so, wow. It's the one who's supposed to bring like the pop culture references in this. It's wild how great. much I'm not, uh, I am, you know, I'm doing great. You're doing great. Thank you. Queen Anne did give Sarah land for Blenheim Palace, which still stands. It was just land then. And she also pledged her some money to help build it. Sarah had a bunch of titles at the court. She was mistress of the robes. She was groom of the stole, uh, keeper of the privy purse. Basically all of these things that meant that she controlled Anne's 
personal, economic, or personal and financial life. Right? Really? Yeah, that, that's why she has that big golden key in the movie. Mm. And she's walking around and she's like signing off receipts for cream budgets and yeah. all of that because she basically controls the inflows and outflows of cash into Anne's personal household. I really thought that Which was... Which is a matter of state. Okay, I really thought that was just a big key to her bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. No, I, I know. <laughs> You're not. Well, it would have been a big lock, wouldn't it? (laughs) So that was one part where Sarah did have a lot of control over Anne. And she also had a reputation for being brutally honest with Queen Anne. Badger face. Hence the badger comment, of course. Then the last thing, just a little more historical context here, the war that's happening in the background in the the film, in The Favorite, is the War of the Spanish Succession. Mm. And this war happened because... Uh, the Spanish king like died without an heir in the early seven, like 1701 or something like that. Um, and all of the Brit- all of the European powers went to war over who should take over. So Louis XIV was still alive. He wanted his grandson to take over. And then everybody else wanted some other faction of family related to Spanish royalty to take over. Did he not even have a daughter? Who? The Spanish guy. No, he left. There, oh, there like were no actually heirs. no heir. No, I think he. I think he was like. I think he went mad or something. I think he was. He was like really the bottom of the gene pool barrel for oh. the because the, the the Habsburg family ruled uh, Spain. They ruled Spain and the Holy Roman oh, Empire. Okay. So, it, so they were really... like the most inbred family. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, that was a very real war, and it was a massively devastating war. It completely ruined France's finances, um, and Louis XIV conveniently died a year later. So like all men, he made a big mess and then left without cleaning it up. <laughs> and it also helped propel England to new heights on the world stage. So England, as I said, in the 17th century, had been going through a lot of change, right? Mm-hmm. They had been experimenting with Republican government, then figuring out their constitutional monarchy. But by the end of it, they were becoming a very major commercial power, right? With, with the colonies in America and all of that. And of course, Spain has their colonies, France has their colonies. So Spain lost a lot in at, by the end of this war and became less of a commercial world power. Um, although they were still, you know, they were still prominent. Um, the Dutch became much less of a world power as well. They had sort of dominated world trade uh, up to that point. And the English were on the up and up, and the French were financially ruined. So that kind of actually, in the long term, led to the French Revolution by the end of the century. Because France never really recovered from that economic... Uh, from the economic exhaustion of Louis XIV's many wars. Wow, that was good. That, that was, was good. impressive, and honestly, I followed. So, and That's the, it. The reason I'm saying all of this is because this really set up and cemented this institution, this dynamic of a balance of powers between the European countries, which still exists today mm-hmm. in some ways, but more importantly, the upsetting of that balance of powers and the preservation of that balance of powers, all of the negotiations around that, that's what led to World War One, And then World War One is, of course, what led to World War II, yeah. right? And, and getting revenge on Germany. So this European balance of powers that was cemented by the War of Spanish Succession in the background of this movie is eventually what crumbled through these world wars in which Sarah's descendant, Winston Churchill, had to figure out how to 
figure it out because everything is everywhere all at once, Michelle Yeoh. Honestly, I was just a little bit mesmerized watching that. I don't have any I don't have any notes, anything to add. That was really quite impressive. Thank God I did AP Euro. <laughs> the fact that that's supposed to be high school stuff. <laughs> so taunting. <laughs> no, I know some of it, but like not like that. Anyway, so it's just interesting because all of this stuff is related and this movie feels like a long time ago, but it is. But the things that they're talking about mm. actually sort of impacted out recent generations in our world. Okay, final two points. Who was Abigail Hill who became Abigail Masham? <laughs> she was Lady Sarah's cousin. What's Mash- that? Mashing it under the Masham. table. Hey, come on down to Masham. Do you remember that? No, and it's always sunny when Danny DeVito is like getting a hand job underneath the, the table and <laughs> he just goes, she's really mashing it. <laughs> so that's what mash that's means yucky. to me. I keep looking back to say weird things. It's yucky. It's yucky. So, Abigail was Lady Sarah's cousin, and her family had indeed gone broke because of her dad's gambling debts. So, Lady Sarah did help Abigail get a position in the Queen's service, but probably more because she was embarrassed that her cousin was so dirt poor suddenly, Mm. so she didn't really want her to, you know, not have a position. And Abigail was appointed Lady of the Bedchamber around 1704. She was much more flattering with Queen Anne than Sarah. Sarah's whole thing was tough love, telling the truth, like, Mm -hmm. you know, badger makeup, et cetera, et cetera. Abigail was much more, honey, it's okay, (laughs) self-care. You're doing great, sweetie. Show me your gout wounds. (laughs) Right. Gaping Show me your gout pussy. (laughs) Um, Is that... Okay, this has been on my mind since we started the episode, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, when the badger... Apology accepted. <laughs> the badger part where she does the makeup, I feel like she, when they said they were going to do something more extreme, I feel like Sarah did that on purpose, like spoke to the makeup artist, obviously, mm. the MUA, to tell... <laughs> you don't know what that means. The MUA. <laughs> the MUA. Um, to do that makeup like worse so she could be the one to go in right i think it's like a cons- yeah yeah i think right? that definitely was a part of the thing i sort of missed the beginning of the movie if you recall so i don't think about you so <laughs> the feud between sarah and abigail was also definitely real so that part of the movie is is very true although it doesn't get a soap opera e as it does in the movie with all of the poisoning and the you know Oh, the poisoning didn't happen? The bitch slapping. No, the poisoning is definitely not true. Think about what that would be like. Think about what kind of insanity it takes to do something like that. To poison someone, then they come back to court. and Well, who's also, she's also like a member of her family. Didn't literally stop Cain and Abel. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea who Cain and Abel are. No, they're from the big book that people. The big book. The big book. The big book. Abigail did also get a 2,000 pound dowry, which is a lot of money from the Privy Purse to for her marriage to Samuel Masham, who I don't know if he was as hot as he was in the movie, but goddamn. You want, he was, yeah, he was your type. He's definitely my type. Yeah. I want to see he's, what his penis is. your type like. on paper, mate. I'm, I am curious. Dial in if you know what his penis looks like. What was the actor's name? Samuel Masham. <laughs> <laughs> he remains nameless for you. Okay, now the big question before we get <laughs> on to our top five period moments is, did all of these little hot sluts actually have a love triangle? Most historians, get ready for this, most historians don't believe there were any sexual relationships at play here. Big surprise, they're all just roommates. What? 
And I have to say, there are a lot of things that are omitted from the movie that make it seem like these ladies are a little more predisposed to lesbian love than they probably were. For example, one massive omission is Anne's husband, King George. <laughs> oh, she was married? Exactly. So, or I guess it's her king consort. So he was still alive after Abigail Hill was appointed as a lady of the bedchamber um, to Queen Anne. And Anne obviously got down with her husband because the other thing that is true from the movie is Anne did have 17 pregnancies. So she had... 12 of them that were stillborn and miscarriage is. And then I guess five, four that didn't survive infancy. And then one who died when he was 11, which is like so sad because you really think that you're kind of over the hill there. Oh boy. She definitely should have stopped her period. (laughs) It's really sad. Yeah. She definitely took advantage of being fertile and it did not (laughs) go well. No, it is. It's very sad. And you know, Poor little rich girl, blah, blah, blah. But like, how much can a woman take? That's a lot to go through. And also even by like, even by old time standards where we're like, oh, a kid died today. Well, what's the weather like? You know, like it it happened all the time. But I don't know. That's a lot of, that's that's a lot of tragedy. No, that's a lot of trauma. That's a lot to go through. Trauma. Trauma and evil meeting. They made a movie about female trauma. Well, it's nostalgia, but it's, it's nostalgia based on trauma. So anyway, Anne was very devoted to her husband. They shared a bed, which is actually uncommon for royal marriages. And um, and Lady Sarah also loved her husband. Rachel Weiss in the movie, I think, does show some affection for her husband, but he's off at war for most of it. But in real life, they were an illicit romance, basically, because I imagine that he was higher rank than her because they married in secret which you only do if there's an issue with that. And they had seven children together. So, I mean, as with a lot of queer women in history, you know, bisexuality is probably more the expectation, what we should be looking for rather than like Mm -hmm. lesbianism, um, pure and simple. But what's interesting is that the rumors of the love triangle came from them. Like Sarah made that rumor up and she had a Whig propagandist write a poem about Anne having a lesbian affair with Abigail after Sarah got, was basically kicked out of her station, right? And removed from her office uh, as groom of the stole. And What, what do the, all of those things mean? One is like taking care of the bedchamber. One is taking care of the finances. One is like yeah. uh, being the top lady's maid. I don't know. So it's, she was just... So being Duchess of Marlborough basically just made her a glorified maid who had to stick her fingers in a gout-ridden pussy. Well, that's partly, that's like... That was a good summation. Gout-ridden, gout-ridden pussy. Ooh, can you get gout in your vagina? In your, like your pubic... it's only in your bones. No, but like so. your pubic bone. Well, your oh, pubic can you bone imagine? doesn't move that much, I don't think. I mean, gout basically hurts because there are little crystals in the joints that um, make about, it very painful. What about the literal joints of my hips and my... That How yes, this. that would that would count. Yeah. So the answer to my <laughs> so, genius so question. So gout pussy is real. Gout pussy. <laughs> so pussy gout is real. Yeah. It's terrifying. So I wanted to read from that poem that started it all because it's kind of a fun little um a fun little ditty. Mm-hmm. Do you want, why don't I handle this? Because this is kind of advanced old English. <laughs> and also, Bash, I can tell you right now, I can't see it. Okay, great. When, as Queen Anne of great renown, Great Britain's scepter swayed, beside the church she dearly loved, a dirty chambermaid. 
Oh, Abigail, that was her name. She starched and stitched full well. But how she pierced this royal heart, no mortal man can tell. However for sweet service done and causes of great weight, her royal mistress made her, oh, a minister of state. Her secretary she was not, because she could not write. Found her character. But had the conduct and the care of some dark deeds at night. Hot. Wow. That's steamy. So she had this, Sarah had this poem written about Abigail and Anne, implying that they were big leses together. And then she wrote to Anne, to Queen Anne, and threatened to publish the poem, as well as other rumors about Anne being inclined to no other sex than her own, i.e. only digging chicks. And it's also through that she, it's also true that she threatened to publish letters, including one from Anne to Sarah that said, if I writ whole volumes, I could never express how well I love you. Unimaginably, passionately, affectionately yours. Or, um, wait, this one is, oh yeah. I can't go to bed without seeing you. If you knew in what condition you have made me, I am sure you would pity. Oh no, and then the final one. I hope I shall get a moment or two to be with my dear, that I may have one embrace, which I long for more than I can express. Okay, so they were fucking. So, Okay, this is the thing, is that... That's some, like, Vito Sackville West and Virginia Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah. that's what I think. All historians talk about these romantic friendships that existed at the time, which were a thing. Like, <laughs> men and men talk to each other, and women and women talk to each other in a more passionate way at the time, because there was this whole idea of, like platonic love which is you know not gendered bathrooms not not yet actually um <laughs> remember gendered bathrooms started in 1739 listen to our last episode oh right reader no. so it wasn't uncommon for same-sex friendships to have these very intense overtones overtones <laughs> yes but that doesn't mean that it also wasn't gay sometimes, right? Super and that's gay. what that's what historians always f- neglect to talk about because you can't prove it, which is fair or, enough. But it feels like this would have provided pretty good cover <laughs> for all of the queers running around, which we know they were running around. And judging from the fact that Sarah in real life had to den- had to uh, deny having a sexual relationship with Anne. Like people said it about her, yeah. and she was like, "Nah, like <laughs> methinks the lesbian doth protest too much." Yeah. So there was definitely a tradition of romantic friendship where people were just sort of platonic, but then there were definitely queer women at the time too. And yeah. Sarah and Anne had this very intense friendship when they were younger. So I think it's highly possible that any- they had some, even if it wasn't sexual, that they had a very loving, passionate, loving relationship. Yeah. And if anything, just like a tiny bit of experimentation. Right. Like, just because little, if she could have gotten pregnant more, she probably A little probably leg would rub. A little leg rub here and there. <laughs> Which in the 1700s is basically like, I'm going to get you pregnant. I'm going to fuck you in the butt and get you pregnant. That's how sex works, right? <laughs> it's That's, most, I mean, it's every man anal. I meet says we have to do that when I say I don't have a condom. Wow. And what do you say? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. My butt's gaping. I- <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. She's tight like my bus. All right. And we're on a podcast as a family. <laughs> so I think it's, very, like I said, it's very possible. I, what what about the epilogue to all of this? Like what happened to these people? Sarah did get banished with her husband as that, you know, that happens in the movie. To her fancy palace? 
No, no. She oh. she left and she went and toured all of the courts of Europe. When you got banished, it just meant that you went to get go on a big trip <laughs> and see all of the fabulous different courts and be received. Because, you know, if you're a noble, you get received by other nobles. Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, I want... Like, well, I know it's not... It wasn't a good time, but... I know, it, not a good time to be alive. Cholera, like, et cetera, tuberculosis. But, like... I do want to see the, I the dresses. Like, I will go back. It's just like that when we did Alexander the Great night, we asked like, do we want to go live there? Like, no, I don't want to live there, but I want to visit. Yeah. I, want a, I want a court visit. Yeah. Like five minutes, five minutes in and out. No, like a few days. So One can... drinking night. Yeah. But also so I can get laid. <laughs> or in this case, in- raid. Ancient dick. <laughs> So Ooh, the, the thing that wasn't true, though, is that when Sarah got banished, she res- she responded by stealing 18,000 pounds from, from the Privy Purse, which is an astronomical sum at the time, like millions of dollars. She also stole all of the brass locks in her, her apartments, in her royal apartments that she was uh, that she had stated. That's what the key was for. And, right. <laughs> so because those were obviously worth a lot, too, I guess. Um, and then Sarah and her husband eventually did return to England on the afternoon, the very afternoon of Queen Anne's death in 1714. That is some like plotting book. That's crazy. That's Greek tragedy. That, okay. I don't know. (laughs) No, I see what you mean. Greek tragedy. That is, that is that. Like you, it's, you can't Don't validate me. No, no, no. It's like you, you can't write this shit because it is fact. Oh, right. It's not like a crazy thing to think for real like this is history <laughs> you can't write this so the tories fell from power the whigs became the the powerful party i think for like the remainder of the 18th century basically and um king george the first succeeded queen anne he was a german guy that they just brought over and they were like you're kind of related and he got on very well with the duchess of marlborough who lived to the ripe old age of 1744 she died in 1744 i don't remember how old she was but i think she was old um and abigail became baroness masham when she married samuel masham and was elevated to be a lady of the court by anne uh she lost all of her position when (laughs) anne died and um wait why she she was still married to the man though she, she lost her position in the court so she had become keeper of the privy purse the manager of the queen's finances Uh-oh. uh after sarah's fall from grace but then she lost that position and abigail also lived for quite some time and died in 1734 huh, Interesting. so do we have any other questions before we move on to our top five what's with abigail being a lady and then like not being a lady how is that possible? It is it is weird because she was Oh yeah, she, yeah, how she's I, I, my understanding is like you're even if you're poor you're still an aristocrat, right? Yeah. Like you your birth entitles you to your But I guess Was she really sold? No, I don't think that part was true. But she did her family lost all of their money, right? So that was that was the issue. Mm. But yeah, it's it's weird how she becomes like a servant in the castle. Like I don't think that that would ever happen. I feel like she you must... would still be like you would still be a lady, yeah. right? By by up by virtue of your upbringing, and that's why the Duchess of Marlborough, Sarah, got her a position because it's her family. She doesn't want her family to look bad, yeah. so she got her a position as a um, maid to the queen. As uh, yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, and that wouldn't make, I mean, it would make more sense that, that wa- that's why she was also elevated to the position of being allowed to be near the queen that much. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah, it wasn't because it was like, she like tricked her way in and was or like, gave Oof. her special herbs, which, which is a queer woman move though. Like a queer, witch woman vibe of like, there were so many queer moments. Let me soothe you. Let me, me soothe you. Let me soothe you from the forest floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll venture into your forest. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Secret garden, etc. Um, okay. The other question I have is why did all men seemingly, especially the wig party, Mm. look that way and are they all gay yes i think my answer is yes i'm just giving that out there um and is the famed historian nicholas holt gay (laughs) and if so why because i want him um nicholas holt does give me kind of bi vibes i have to say no he's just a really good actor no i can see him getting down with a guy i can like it doesn't sound not real to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's Holt, just, I don't, I don't think he, it's like number one for him, but I can see him like showing up in a Twitter porn video. Did the men, yeah. Like the men dressed like that. I think it came more from French fashions to yeah. be honest with you from um, Louis the 14th and that whole, cause Louis the 14th was known for setting that kind of um, powdered face, pink cheek wig, makeup, high heels mm. kind of, or f- at least for exporting that to the rest of Europe. Um, But yeah, I don't actually really know where that fully came from of like, oh, we're all going to wear wigs now. Because they didn't do that in like Elizabethan times. And I don't think they did that in the beginning when King James, like the beginning of the Stuart times, that sort of became a thing. So I'm I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but it was a cause of a lot of anxiety. I think I talked about this in one of my uh, episodes that I did with Donal, but people were very concerned that the lines between men and women, like mm-hmm. visually, were were blurring. Yeah. So the wearing of wigs, the wearing of long coats that looked kind of like they were in the shape of skirts, like all of that stuff was kind of, and then all of the beautiful materials, the silks, yeah. you know, the brocade, the blah, blah, blah. It's, I think people were very anxious about that. Uh, or, and when I say people, of course, I mean men, about how men were becoming feminized yeah. in some way, at least aristocratic I mean, men. it just sounds like the whole country got queer-eyed. Yeah, and... <laughs> Not Bobby Burke style. Not like Bobby Burke full style. Full JVN. <laughs> no, but like it. And gender is a construct. Style. Gender is a construct, and we're coming in. But gender it does, is a construct style. That's the new Gangnam style. Construct style. Construct style. <laughs> um, but it does. It's interesting because yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, it sort of looks like they're in drag, and also I guess it's from the other movie we watched with another Duchess, literally called the Duchess last night. Um, it's like what she said, like, oh, it's an expression of like myself of, you know, it's the only thing women have to express themselves. So maybe it was also Mm. men like getting to express themselves, themselves sartorily for the first time. But they still had very rich, like dress in the Elizabethan times, Mm. for example, and before that. So it's, it's not the dress. It's just like, it's the way that it becomes just super gay. It's the way it's the way that it becomes fucking girly as fuck, bro. <laughs> Agreed. Act two: historical homos top five period moments. Okay, top five moments. Of course, we will do more than top five because there are so many good moments in this movie. Most importantly, tears. Lucy, what made you cry on your period? What made me cry the most was Aunt, when um, Abigail is sitting and like 
basically is just reading and Anne is, I don't know, gouting in her bed. And Abigail just slowly starts to crush one of Anne's children, a.k.a. a bunny. And you can just hear its tiny little mm. bunny whimpers. And it's so sad, even though I do like to literally cut up and butcher and eat rabbits it was sad don't do that to a live animal i know and you could hear like the crunching mm, it like, was so sad i thought that was a bit gratuitous I'd, i i like i think abigail's character is supposed to be conniving and like kind of a cunt but you're on her side in the beginning of the movie like you want her to yeah you want her to win in a way but then i love that she gets the short end of the stick or the wet yeah. end of the sponge. I was going to say one of the moments that made me be like, whoa, is like when she, when you kind of realize that she's trapped yeah. as like the lesbian, like the different games chambermaid of, of Queen Anne. But I did, I thought, I mean, just because Olivia Coleman is such, and obviously I'm on my period too, <laughs> just because Olivia Coleman is such an incredible actress, I do like the moment where she's, um, a staring at the music while they're dancing and she's like she starts to cry yeah. and I'm just like I can see pain in you and then when she's staring at the when she hears the music out in the courtyard and she's like make them stop yeah um, but there's like the looking into the distance and that and then she has that when she uh, in, in the scene where she and Abigail are talking about the bunnies representing the children mm. and she's like you you lose a piece of you each time one of them goes. And I was like, God damn. As someone who has Women had 17. suffered <laughs> so much. <laughs> and Bash has had 17 abortions. So he knows that he paid for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was tears. What about sex? What turned you on? Um, okay. What turned me on was uh, when Rachel Weiss comes into Ann's bedroom, grabs her by the Coont, which was hot because who doesn't love to be grabbed by the pussy? Because um, she sent Abigail instead of her to make her jealous. Um, yeah, I quivered, shivered, and delivered all <laughs> together. I agree with that. I liked um, Ra- Rachel Vice is just. Have yeah. you ever seen the disobedience movie where they're where she and Rachel McAdams are playing um, extremely beautiful uh, ultra orthodox or not ultra but like orthodox Jewish women in Lo- in London? Oh, I've uh, and they become. I think I started watching it and then stopped. They become <laughs> like lesbian lovers and mm-hmm. like. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Rachel Weisz can turn it one. Yeah, like well, she's a hot ass woman. She's sh- fucking beautiful. She is. She's a top for sure. Yeah. So the other scene is when. Um, is when my my main man Masham is uh, chasing Abigail's just trying to you know take a break for five seconds and read a book in the forest and then he comes and is like trying to get with her oh yeah and it starts in a kind of like rapey creepy way but then it's sort of like okay we're okay we're kind of all having fun here we're, <laughs> like we're play fighting but in the way we're that play fighting means and I'm she like kicks him off. in the balls and I'm like hell yeah <laughs> like I don't know why that got me. Um, okay, costumes, the other important measure of any period piece. Who is serving the fiercest cunt in this mm. film, Lucy? Okay, first of all, this one is hard because the amount of cunt service that was happening was extraordinary. Thank it you, was, Sandy Powell. It, oh, right, the woman. Uh, the woman behind the costumes. Um, first of all, Rachel Weiss in it with her, like, hot, dom top like crop crop riding crop like whip like i want her to bend me over and whip me with that 
Sure. You know what I mean? Like that was sure. that was really hot. So I think anytime she's on screen, I'm lit. But um I digress from serving fiercest cunt. I just imagine hers as the fiercest cunt. Um, Certainly I, in this film. Yeah. And I, but I do think all of the like beautiful fabrics and like luxurious things that they wear in that shooting scene is just like, yes. Like you just dress that way to go shoot birds. And then there's that one part where she just gets splattered with blood on it. And I it's know. Like, I love that. It's like the world is coming on her. And I, <laughs> And and she's so surprised, just like we all are when we get come on, even though we know it's coming. Then it's just like, oh, oh. Um, Keep all I, of that. I love all the shooting scenes, actually. I think they're, yeah. they're so funny and crisp. Uh, interestingly, a lot of these costumes are very historically inaccurate, especially with the type of materials they're using. I was watching a movie on YouTube, and they were like, they use like recycled denim and shit like that. Um, well, I think that's probably to make the movie itself and the people who are making such a million like millions of dollar grossing film is to probably make it a little more better for the earth you're actively yawning but it was probably something no i'm just hungry I'm just mad at you. <laughs> no i'm not mad at you um i would like to call to attention the gentle the slightly pudgy gentleman but i would kind of hit it uh who is dressed in a giant Mm. magenta and silvery gray wig in one of the scenes where the the Tories are just throwing pomegranates at him and it's he's like holding his dick and trying to evade the pomegranates yep. and like slipping on the floor I just think that wig is fantastic that was, like I thought that was one of the most beautiful uh props in the entire movie that was really good and also that part made me just on the note of talking about how like you know, people were a little bit worried that men were becoming, you know, too feminine. That entire scene is like, why were men's biggest having fun together times sort of just seeing each other naked and throwing stuff at each other? Because it seems like that culture has existed throughout history as I well. Mean, that whole thing, that whole scene in that movie is like, it's very Tony McNamara, like the guy who wrote The Great. Uh, he wrote mm -hmm. The Great as well, um, in addition to this movie. And like, obviously he loves like play. It's, it's very exaggerated. It's kind of like satirical of how over the top this century was. Like yeah. that would never have happened in in uh, at the court. I thought that would be something. Well, like no. in The Great, the kind of shit that they're doing is. That also is completely false god well can you stop ruining tv for me but it's it's a fun i don't care about the history part it's a fun extra i know maybe the whole concept of this episode doesn't work <laughs> nobody gives a fuck no. um no we all do no we do we want to know what actually happened especially queer history wise okay let's skip down to violence now because i want to save the other ca uh, category mm. for the end because it's so fun but what violent i think violence is very important in a period piece because it's kind of like I don't know. There's just something sexy about people like fighting each other back then. Um, this one is much more like psychological violence, mm. though. Like for me, the big moment is the, the the like unmissable moment in this movie is when they make her wash her hands with lye. Like they don't tell her that lye is in the water that she has to use to wash the floor. And then she, it slowly like starts creeping into her like some kind of hot fire disease. I mean, that is fucking vicious. That's crazy. That is, I, I, it's never happened to me, but I have had chemical <laughs> burns, uh, including from the chemicals that we found this weekend in oh, my chemistry we're set. We're going to get all into that. The, bo <laughs> the box marked Bash's chemistry set. I, I have burned myself with acids before and stuff like that. Like it is unbelievably painful. 
Isn't lye the stuff you use to like, um, don't they say to use it on like for blood or to put it down so you can't smell like the decaying of a body? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure it is. You terrifying young woman. (laughs) Thank you. Um, My favorite was definitely because it just reminded me of something I would probably do um, is when Emma Stone, AKA Abigail, like starts slapping herself. (laughs) I would say mashing herself just in the head. She was full mashing herself in bangers and mash me with a book to pretend that Sarah had just beat her up. Um, And Emma Stone does genuinely have a slappable face like i do see that um but she knows she knows it she's willing to slap it and that's that's cool that's okay she's willing to go there for the bit you know she commits mm, for the role yeah no for what did i say for the bit yeah well that's the bit that was a bit commit to the bit so i completely agree i love that emma stone slapped herself for us even yeah. i love emma stone i think she's so funny and like a very good actress yeah but just to be clear like this is a pro yeah we like emma stone this is pro stone but sometimes she's slappable she she has a slap of there's just no way around it yeah so okay the la- uh, she's slappable oh, and she to- knows it don't it okay second to last category is misogyny mm. F- Every, I feel like every period piece, there's something where you're like, thank God I wasn't a woman back then. And because this is a menstrual episode, I felt that we should highlight this. So I think there's just one moment that really encapsulates it. When Colonel Masham comes, or Samuel Masham, I don't know if he's a colonel. Samuel Masham comes to Abigail's room and she just looks up at him softly and she's like, have you come to seduce me? Or rape me. And he's like, I am a gentleman. So rape then. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's like, obviously, I'm sure no one at the time would ever have said that. But like, I bet yeah. that's really real. Like, that really was it. That was um, the gentleman. It's the Roman thing to do. <laughs> it is the Roman thing to do. So, okay. The, f- the final category. And this film is full of this. So I don't know how we're going to do. We might have to do We, we have these. to do a lot of these. Is quippery and bitchery. So who had the best one-liners? I'm going to start with one of my favorites when Lady Sarah is um, talking to Nicholas Holt's character, Lord Harley, who is being a foppish prat as usual. And she and Lady Sarah just has no time for it. She's like, <laughs> she walks in and, um, and Nicholas Holt is like, I need to speak to the queen. And she's like, oh, for what? Do tell me I love a comedy. <laughs> Um, but the really funny line is when he's like getting out of control, like can't control himself because he's getting so frustrated. And Lady Sarah is like, your mascara is running. If you want to fix yourself, we can discuss this later. <laughs> really She's good. really reading her, him to filth. Um, I think one of the ones that I loved, and I honestly, like I can't exactly remember when this happened, but at some point Lady Sarah just says to Abigail, and I assume this is about being in Queen Anne's bedroom. If you do not go, I will start kicking you and I will not stop, which just feels very much like something that would happen in our family. Like, I'll just keep kicking you. I feel like she you. says it really, like, kind of calmly, too. She's like, if you do not go, I will start kicking you and I will not stop. Yeah, I guess she wasn't as emotive. <laughs> and I will not stop. And I will not stop. I will start kicking so you and I Rachel will Rachel Weisz is also a fucking stellar actress, obviously. She's incredible. Rachel, um, hit us up. You want to get some. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is another really good one. This is a shooting scene one. 
when um and by the way emma stone's british accent is top notch oh yeah in this movie that was crazy. she's really got she, it down she did not and like she didn't falter at all like usually there's like at least there's a, maybe one or two moments i yeah. think i noticed where i was like that sounded slightly off but not like our perfect british accents that we're doing here no mate i'm good no at mate no oh fuck mate 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 fuck me mate no stop it mate. i don't know when you do it because you can't I, what's the word? I can only do British TV presenter like and Planet back Earth, from the Lady BBC. Sarah, because I will not lie. Yeah, that is love. That's because you've been watching the BBC since you were a fucking child in second grade. <laughs> Literally. Literally, say that. La Pariat. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> Should we do that? Period piece. Period. Um. Okay, so this one is really good. I'll be Abigail. Okay. Can I ask you something? As long as you're aware that I have a gun. <laughs> as long as, as, long as you're aware, aware that, that I have that a gun. gun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. really funny. Wow, um, I thought this would be more fun for us to redo. <laughs> we're just not good actors, are we? We're just good at playing ourselves. No, I'm trying to remember how they said it. Oh, and then of course at the end... Okay, I'll be Lady Sarah, Lady Sarah for this. Oh my God, you actually think you have won. Haven't I? We were playing very different games. Well, all I know is your carriage awaits and my maid is on her way up with something called a pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite good, quite funny. I bet that was Tony McNamara again. Oh, that was good. And then I, I like this. I think this is really good. I'll, I'll be Lady Sarah, the, the one up top. Okay. I wish you could love me. Where they're talking about how like Abigail is nicer to her, oh, is yeah, nicer yeah, yeah. to Queen Anne, and Lady Sarah is trying to get her to uh, send Abigail away. So Anne says, "I wish you could love me as she does." You wish me to lie to you? Oh, you look like an angel fallen from heaven, Your Majesty. No, sometimes you look like a badger, and you can rely on me to tell you why. Because I will not lie. That is love. Which honestly, I think that's such a good. It's powerful. Line. That's not even like so, it's not it's even so bitchery. True. It's fully correct. Like that is what love should be. And you know what? I only want people. I think in my I life. did that pretty well. Bash. Should we go again? <laughs> Bash stroking his. Oh back. my god! You actually think you have won? I'm. I'm gonna say that okay. a lot in my future. Yeah, I feel like that's just something that will get into people's fucking minds. All right, so top five moments. Um, I think we did about 15. Yeah, but that's fine. That's the movie. We never promised you we wouldn't <laughs> go over. Act three. Okay, so every week, of course, I mean, obviously Lucy is on her period, so this is unfair to ask of her. But every week we like to do a little pop quiz to make sure that Lucy was listening to the history because ultimately this is about her education. So pop quiz for this week. Okay. Question number one. What was the name of the war that was going on in the background of the movie The Favorite? The film The Favorite. The Spanish Succession. The War of the Spanish Succession. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Question number two. This is both a question from the film and from real life. What were Lady Sarah's and Queen Anne's pet names for one another? Mrs. Morley and Mrs. Freeman. Good. Yeah. Well Thank you. Okay. And final question. Name the palace that Queen Anne gifted Blenheim. to her le 
lesbian lover. <laughs> Blenheim. It was Blenheim okay. Palace. No. Okay. All right. All Bash right. is angry because I like this podcast is actually working. He okay. actively just said that. So I think Stop. we. No, he is upset that he for some reason he doesn't. We'll seem keep that than one me. in, but I'm finding another question. <laughs> I will get you. Okay. Question number four: Who, which king, was father to Queen Anne and her sister Queen Mary before her? George the First. No. <laughs> Who was it? King George the First succeeded oh. Queen Anne. Queen Anne's predecessor was King William of Orange. At, oh, and, yeah. Uh, hey, stop. And her sister, Mary. And then Queen Anne's father was the king before that, King James II. Wouldn't have gotten either of those because it's sort of, I have to like warm up when we're doing this. So usually for the beginning part <laughs> you when you're talking, cooled down. I'm not, I don't, I don't really listen. Well, I think that was pretty good. Uh, typically we like to do a straight apology, but I feel like, I feel like we've done a lot of that. Yeah, I think you should just apologize for not having taken my period as seriously as I've demanded. I'm sorry that I don't feel your period. I'm sorry that I can't do that. Actually, um, I, you know those period simulators? Yeah. I'm going no, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to get one and we're going to put it on you and you're going to try and do your work while I am while I'm controlling what you're feeling. Okay. I really think that would be a good good thing for our next period piece and you should watch have the whole entire movie you have to watch it. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week. If you like what you hear, give us a little five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And please email us at Sebastian at historicalhomos.com with any questions you have about the episode. I live to serve and I love to research. So if you have anything that we want to follow up on, just shoot us an email and ask, and maybe we'll feature it on the pod as well. You can also uh, post the episode on IG and tag at historical.homos if you want us to answer any questions there or explain Lucy's period to you. And of course, you can follow us at Historical Homos on TikTok.